Listen anew and hear the telling of the birth of Christ in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her to deliver the child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I bring you good news, a great joy for all people. To you this born, was born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. <coughs> and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace among them, those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Here ends the reading from the Gospel of Luke. I love all the communal aspects of celebrating Christmas Eve. All the loved ones who are returning from school or visiting their families, the Christmas cards that are sent to those who can't be nearby, or just to catch up and tell everyone what you've been up to during the year. I love the handbells, each one a distinct note, but they intricately come together to produce the joy-filled carols we love. 
all of our voices joining together this Christmas Eve, celebrating the coming of our Savior Christ. And of course, the Christmas meals that are made up of aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents and friends bringing their special sweet potatoes or cornbread to make it complete. This morning, we participated in a communal reading. We read the Song of Mary that is found just a little bit before the text Anne read for us tonight. It's a lovely way to enter into the theme of the gospel. See, three of our four gospels begin the telling of the good news with the birth of Christ. We have the prologue of John that Ingrid read for us earlier that poetically proclaims the incarnation, and then the nativity narratives of Matthew and what we heard in Luke. The good news, the redemption of all, begins in the story of the incarnation, God becoming one of us, entering into our world as fully human, even crying and needing diaper changes like we all once did. The song of Mary that we read this morning proclaims the themes that are found throughout the book of Luke's. She sings, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. He has scattered the proud in, in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones, and he has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. And Luke, the gospel of our Lord, is one of economic and social justice, a theme of redemption and reconciliation. God has come among us in Jesus to redeem us from the ways that we have built up walls between each other and to save the poor and the brokenhearted. This is reflected in Luke as Jesus' first Sermon is really him declaring the words of the prophet Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's savor. And then he sermonizes, Today these words have been fulfilled in your hearing. The nativity story that we participate in tonight is no different from the rest of Luke. The themes ring loud and clear, especially in the juxtaposition of the power of the Roman Empire and the birth of the Christ child. The narrative begins with Caesar Augustus declaring a census for all people. This might better be understood as a tax list. Some of you who have studied the Old Testament stories of King David found in 1 Chronicles and 2 Samuel, the same stories the audience of the Gospel of Luke would have been familiar with, will remember that God disapproved of David taxing all of the kingdom, even the poorest. Luke continues and says the birth occurs when Governor Quirinius was over Syria. Although historical documents show that these rulers did not overlap in actual history, the message from Luke is that God entered into flesh during a time when power was not godly, when power lied with the empire of Rome, 
a time when the poor had no good news, a time when the lowly felt crushed and ignored. The power of God enters the story to redeem the poor and set the captives free, but not in worldly power. The Son of God is not born to an upper-class elite family that might have had a platform within the Empire of Rome, but instead to a poor couple, Mary and Joseph. Their status didn't even reserve them a place at the end, in or in the home of a relative. And their needs and a time of labor pangs were met with a lowly manger. Even more so, Luke depicts the shepherds who are the lowest in this culture, not because of something they have done, but how society sees them. Yet they are the first to know the good news of the birth. The message of who this child is and what he is here to do is not proclaimed in the city full of people, but it's announced to these shepherds, those isolated in the fields, those alone with their sheep. The song of Mary, that is the prophecy of what Christ will do, becomes true through how God works in the world, not in just the end result. God redeems the dignity of these shepherds, those who are looked over, the outsiders, by announcing this great news to them and inviting these isolated individuals into the sacred moment of birth. For me, it's a great honor to be invited to the hospital to meet a new baby, or even to be welcomed into an intimate and often scary moment as a family brings their new child home. The shepherds were changed from outsiders to friends as they shared the declarations of the angels with Mary and Joseph by the light of a candle near the new baby. God does not move in the power that we see in the world around us. Instead, God's power is to care for each of us deeply, to see all that we are, to see each of us as beloved, and to compassionately invite us into a life of love and connection with God and with each other. When I think of shepherds in our society today, I think of all those that are isolated, the ones we often lump together into categories of other, those that have not done anything, but because of their circumstances or experiences, they're deemed less than by society. I think of those who are discriminated against because of their ethnicity, their religion, their gender or sexuality or their beliefs. I think of the single parents trying to make ends meet, immigrants trying to make a home in a foreign culture, victims of domestic violence, harassment, and assault, struggling to speak up and to be believed. I think of the mom with postpartum depression who's afraid to share her struggle, those with mental illness who've been told to just get over it, the homeless who can't seem to get over the mountain of poverty, those living paycheck to paycheck, or those who lay awake at night fretting with debt. For those who are isolated in their age or their illness, 
those whose families are far away. I think of those who feel so alone in their grief because others don't know what to say or what to do around them. The caregivers of elderly parents or a sick loved one, those who don't have time for themselves. I think of the refugees fleeing their homes, hoping for a safe life for their children, and of family members who've become estranged, and those who have lost their friends over disagreements. But the good news is this. God, in this nativity story, appears to those who are isolated and looked over, and God gives them worth, value, and importance. Christ comes not with a kingdom of political or economic power, but to usher in a kingdom, an ever-expanding family of love and reconciliation. Many of us can identify a time when we have felt isolated or overlooked or just unheard. Times when we, when we need the appearance of a message from God to come to us. But I also think if we take an honest look at our lives and at this story, the story of the Christ child, we would all identify with the Roman Empire on some level. How many of us have wanted to go to family gatherings this season or come to worship or just go about our day without someone bringing up their different beliefs or experiences? Or us not wanting to see someone's otherness that causes us to reassess how we live our lives? The passage from Titus that Kevin read for us tells us that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. But it also challenges us that while we wait for the blessed hope that is Christ returning again, we are being trained by God's grace. We are to live lives that are upright and godly. We are to live out the life Jesus showed us, one of reconciliation, one of listening to the shepherds in our own lives, one of inviting the other into our intimate moments as God did into the birth of Christ. One of hearing and sharing our experiences and becoming stronger together through understanding and compassion. The salvation of Christ that we celebrate in the incarnation tonight, it's the same salvation that is working in each of our lives. It's the same salvation we await when the redemption of all things is complete in the second coming. Christ has come, Christ is come, Christ will come again, bringing redemption and reconciliation, connecting all the shattered pieces of humanity into the ever-expanding family of God. In a moment, we're going to share the communal lighting of candles, spreading the light of Christ from person to person. It's a representation of Christ breaking down these barriers between us, and also of our own responsibility to spread the grace of God with our actions and our words. For some, this is an easy task, just passing the light from hand to hand. But for some of us, those who may have put arguments on hold to be jolly for the season, 
those who may have deep wounds, and those who feel unknown, this action may be a bit more difficult. It's my prayer that for all of us, the Spirit of God moves like the fire we will share, that it can burn away the divisions and walls that we have built up between each other, that it can char the ill-purposed suffering of isolation and otherness, and that the fire can meld us together as the kingdom of God, and also that we might glimpse a sample of the holy night of Christ's love. So let us share the light of Christ, the good news that is come for all. Amen.